Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners once again today. And we're thankful to have this opportunity to get back into God's Word with every one of you. We're thankful that so many are listening to this program on a regular basis, many of you day to day, and others as you have the opportunity. You know, we want to encourage you to share these studies with all of your friends, your family members, your neighbors, your work associates, anybody and everybody. Now you say, well, how can I do that? How can I share a radio program? Well, tell them about our radio program. Tell them how you're listening, what time you're listening, what radio station, and so on. Encourage them to tune in during that time. But there's another way that you can encourage them to listen, and that is by going to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and scrolling down the home page to our podcast button, click on that podcast button, and in about one minute, you can encourage them, and you can do this yourself as well, to sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It always will be free. Again, we don't charge people to teach them the gospel message of salvation. So click on that podcast button, sign up for our podcasting, and then you'll receive to your computer, your laptop, your pad, your tablet, your smartphone, whatever device you choose, automatically you'll receive all of our sermons, all of our Bible classes, a great daily Bible study that we call Today's Bible Class, about 12 minutes long each day, and all of our radio programs that come to you every day. So what a great opportunity. And again, it's always free and tremendous study resource right there at your fingertips. So share. Again, share these studies with everybody you can. We're thankful to have this opportunity to open up God's Word each day and study more. And we're, we're thankful that so many people want to do that with us. But now this isn't a popularity contest primarily. Now, I'm thankful that so many people, they find this a popular program. But we're really trying to glorify God, bottom line by teaching his word accurately and effectively, even powerfully, to help people come to understand how they can come to God through Jesus Christ, repenting of their sins, confessing their faith in Christ, and surrendering to him in baptism, so that blood that he shed on the cross so long ago can cleanse them of the guilt of their sins, and they can be redeemed, they can be reborn, they can be saved and have the promise of eternal life with God in heaven. That's what we want to do. That's the ministry that we're about through this particular radio ministry. So we want to help people get to heaven. We want to help people have eternal life. And teaching them God's word is the first step in that direction because it helps them to have faith and to grow in their faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So we want to help you, and we encourage you to help others by encouraging them to listen to this program and take part in these studies with us. At the end of the program, we'll tell you how to contact us. You can write down that information, 
and then you can contact us. Ask for the free Bible study. We send it out through the regular mail all the time, all across the country. It is free. We'll take care of the postage. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD. And again, we send those out all across the country. And again, it's free and we take care of the postage. So have a pencil or a pen, piece of paper ready, and jot down that information in just a little while. We're going to get back into our study on God's grace. We're in a different section now. We began last time looking at God's grace and my faith. God's grace and my faith. As we said, very difficult to define adequately and fully and in a comfortable way. The idea of God's grace. God's grace. We've looked at it in technical terms such as God's unmerited or undeserved favor extended toward us. In other words, we don't deserve it. There is nothing we have done or can do to merit it. That is, to have it coming to us, to obligate God to extend his grace to us. In fact, just the opposite. We really don't deserve God's grace. If you really want to look at it just from a technical point of view, but God offers it to us anyway. He has made the way for us to be forgiven of our sins, to be redeemed through Jesus Christ, to be saved and have eternal life. That's God's grace. God's grace. Now, his sending his son to that cross to die, to pay the price for the guilt of our sins as the perfect one-time-for-all-time sacrifice, Oh my, that's the greatest example of God's grace. But then, to even go beyond that and offer us that home in heaven with him as we come to him for salvation through Jesus Christ, we could say that's another step in the incredible demonstration of God's grace. We all need to take advantage of God's grace. He wants us to be saved. He wants us to be with him. We're looking at Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. Again, God's grace and my faith. My faith is key in my receiving God's grace. Key. We looked at verses 3 through 7. And in verses 3 through 7, the Apostle Paul writes about God's grace in our forgiveness and salvation. He says, we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Now this is one of those representative lists of sinful practices and lifestyles that the Apostle Paul writes in several of his different letters. Some lists are longer than others. This is one of the shorter ones, actually. But again, they're simply representative. They don't cover every sin, but they give us an idea of what Paul is talking about from the sinfulness that plagues mankind. Now, we give in to that sinfulness. We commit the sins willingly. It's not like somebody makes us do it. But see, we see these kinds of 
practices, these kinds of sinful actions all around us, don't we? And on an ongoing basis, foolish, disobedient to God's teachings, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures that would be of a worldly nature, living in malice, envy, hateful, hating one another. In fact, we can see some of these characteristics in our own lives, can't we? We've committed some of these sins, haven't we? You, myself, and probably everybody we know. But certainly when we look at mankind as a whole, humanity as a whole, we see this all around us. But more than just these sinful practices, we went back to the garden, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. We looked at the sin that Adam and Eve had committed when they disobeyed God and ate of that forbidden fruit, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The devil lured them into that disobedience to God, that sin, that sinful action. But they're the ones who committed it. They're the ones who made up their minds to disobey God because they knew God had said, you don't eat the fruit of that particular tree. For in the day that you eat thereof, you're going to die. And the devil said, ah, nah, you're not, you're not going to die. You're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. And so they disobeyed God, and they ate. And they died spiritually that day because of their sin. When they disobeyed God, that was sin. And sin, you see, separates us from God. Isaiah 59 in verse 2, and that is spiritual death. Now, if you die, can you bring yourself back from the dead? No. Now, you might have a doctor shock you and get your heart started again within a few minutes. If it goes much more than that, then there's no hope. But that's somebody else helping get your heart going again. But you cannot do that yourself. And so when Adam and Eve sinned, they died spiritually. Their sin separated them from God spiritually. And they needed somebody to step in and bring them back to life. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. But God, knowing ahead of time in his omniscience, his foreknowledge that they were going to sin, well, he already had the plan for their forgiveness, for their redemption, for their salvation. He had it already in his mind. He was going to send his son, Christ, into this world as the perfect Savior. The one time for all time sacrifice, Hebrews 7 and verse 24. The one time for all time sacrifice. That's what he was going to do. Again, the plan was already in his mind. I'm sorry, it's Hebrews 7 and verse 27. So God already was ready to make the way 
for mankind to be brought back to life spiritually. And that's exactly what Jesus said, exactly how he put it to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. When Nicodemus wondered, how can a man be born again? Can he re-enter his mother's womb? He was thinking physical rebirth. Jesus was talking spiritual rebirth. And Jesus said, except a man be born of the water and the word, the water and the spirit, rather, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So we must be reborn spiritually. That means forgiven of our sins. Brought back into a right relationship with God. That's what the word reconcile means. The term reconciliation points to. We have to put our old man aside and become that new person spiritually in Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul talked about, what he wrote about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So coming back to Titus chapter 3 and verse 3, Paul's talking about that old life that those Christians used to live, wherein they had been foolish, disobedient to God, deceived, servants of various lusts and pleasures of the world, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another, and the list could have gone on and on and on and on. That's the way they had been. But they were Christians now, as he wrote this. And so he says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, past tense, not by works of righteousness which we have done, again, we cannot earn our salvation, we cannot obligate God to forgive us, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. The washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. The washing of regeneration, what is that a reference to? If we look at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26, Ephesians 5 and verse 26, the Apostle Paul wrote about that, I believe we are to understand, in different terms. But he's talking about the same thing. He says that he might sanctify and cleanse her, speaking of the church, with the washing of water by the word. The washing of water by the word. What does he mean by that? On Pentecost, when many of the Jews asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, having heard that gospel sermon, having been convicted that they had crucified the Son of God, they said, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, so that your sins can be forgiven. 
when the Lord sent Ananias, a Christian man, to teach Saul of Tarsus, who would later become a Christian himself, and the Apostle Paul, he came to Saul and said, and Saul had been a terrible enemy, violent enemy of the church. He said, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Through baptism is when we experience and we benefit from that washing of regeneration. You see, regeneration, being born again. What did Jesus tell Nicodemus? Except a man be born again of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Through baptism, we contact the blood of Christ and his blood cleanses us of the guilt of our sins. Cleanses us of the guilt of our sins. And so coming back to, to Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Remember what Peter said again to those who asked him, what shall we do? Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. What did Jesus tell Nicodemus? Except a man be born of the, of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now how does that tie in? How does that tie in with Ephesians 5 and verse 26 where, which we read a moment ago? where Paul said that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. And how does that tie it in with Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6? The washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. You see, how, do we, how does the Holy Spirit guide us to obedience? through the word. Peter said that no prophecy of scripture is given or is a matter of private interpretation, but is written by men who are guided by the Holy Spirit, who are guided what they wrote to write what God wanted them to write through the Holy Spirit. And so all scripture is given by inspiration of God, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. God's very word. And the writers were guided to write God's very word by God through the Holy Spirit. So we learn about forgiveness, how to be forgiven. We learn about the concept of regeneration or being born again. We learn about that cleansing of our souls through the blood of Christ, through the word of God. And through those teachings, we understand how to be cleansed of the guilt of our sins as we come to God through Jesus in baptism. And that washing of water by the word, 
that washing of regeneration, it's at that point that we're born again. Because it's through that act of obedience, act of surrender, that we're forgiven of our sins. That the blood of Christ cleanses us of that guilt. And we're reborn spiritually. And we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about miracles here. I'm talking about the Spirit being with us in some way. And certainly, I'm talking about salvation, eternal life. So coming back to Titus chapter 3, verse 7, that having been justified by his grace we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Justified. Counted just before God and by God as we have been reborn, regenerated, as we have been washed in those waters of regeneration. Now, what's so special about the water? Simply that God said, that's what I want you to do. Through that act of obedience, and you can understand, we can understand the idea of water. We wash in water. We bathe in water to cleanse us of our physical dirt. And here he says in that act of being baptized, being immersed in that water, we can get that sense of being cleansed of the guilt of our sins by the blood of Christ shed on that cross. It's interesting that the scriptures tell us that when that Roman soldier rammed that spear into Jesus' side, that not just blood flowed forth, but blood and water. And I believe we can make the, con the connection to the blood being the cleansing factor and we contact that blood through the washing of water by the word. The washing of regeneration. God's grace. He already had the, the plan of salvation. The plan for our forgiveness, for our redemption, for our eternal life. The plan for us being made right with him again. In his mind before Adam and Eve ever committed their sin. Oh my, the grace of God, how blessed we are to be able to be recipients of that grace. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy, your kindness, your love. And Father, help us to never take your offer of grace for granted or to take it in a frivolent or careless manner. Help us, Father, to simply obey you and receive forgiveness and salvation by your grace through our faith. Praise be to you, Father. Please, we pray. Please forgive us, gracious Father. This is our prayer. In Christ's name, amen.